Welcome back to the Beaverdam Betting Show on Daily Dodge TV and 1430 ESPN Beaverdam. Sitting alongside me is Corey Sparks. I'm Charlie Dern. This week we've got our highs and lows, some more lessons learned, some fantasy trade talk as the deadline approaches, and as always, our picks for the week. Corey, we really might have to consider a rebrand. It's been really bad. So maybe this is really just a pick show with picks that people should fade? Yeah. Morale is not high here, folks. It's bad. It's been (laughs) ugly. But as Rocky Balboa said, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And that's how we're going to do it on this show. Let's do it. We're going to turn it around. We've got our highs and lows. Corey, what were your lows in week six? Yeah, lows. We got fantasy quarterbacks falling like flies but really like any notable name in fantasy football right now has been coming down with some type of injury josh allen's banged up trevor lawrence questionable tonight justin fields is out does look like lawrence is going to go so that's the good news kyler murray is coming back so there's also that but quarterbacks going down just hurts a lot more obviously you don't have two or three wide receivers on a team that that's the situation you'd have there where they can replace them running backs the same thing we'll talk about some guys later also replaceable when a quarterback goes down it hurts a lot more and we're just kind of going through one of those ruts right now another low is the 49ers losing outright to the browns the browns have a dominant defense weather did play a factor in being an equalizer there as well but i felt really confident in this pick it was 49ers minus seven ended up being minus 10 by the time it closed Deshaun Watson was out, obviously Nick Chubb down as well, one of the better running backs in our day and age, and I would even say all time if you look at his resume, averaging well over five yards per carry, but Cleveland's defense is just that good. Miles Garrett was terrorizing people, he was swimming past, throwing Trent Williams to the side like it was nothing, that was a very enticing matchup, but but yeah, so 49ers losing out right to the Browns was a huge low because I really thought that that undefeated team was untouchable, and clearly they are not. It was a weird game overall. I don't blame you for taking the 7, especially when it closed at 10. Mm -hmm. Felt like you could have still gotten away with a win there. For my lows, it was kind of speaking along the lines of that Justin Fields injury that you mentioned. Yeah, I picked him to score a touchdown. Uh, Not on the show, but I picked him to score a touchdown. I had Justin Fields to score a touchdown and TJ Hawkinson to score a touchdown in that game. It was on our big screen at my apartment. My roommate, big, big, big Bears fan. He had the game on, and I was miserable. So it was kind of an all-time low watching that game and not getting anything right about that game. But I did have Cooper Cup as a touchdown scorer, so I went one and two personally on that game. And then my other low was college football just in general. I'm considering retirement after (laughs) last week. It was bad. I didn't do well. I'm in this pool with my family and some family friends that entering the week I was in like fifth place. Uh, where you're just picking against the spread on 10 games. I think I went 3-7 and seven, uh, last week. I think I just might have to take a break. Maybe, you know, just we're having a falling out. I'm having a falling right. <laughs> out with college football right now. But let's get to the highs. Corey, what were some of your highs this week? Yeah, Commanders-Falcons I picked under 42.5. Only thing that I picked last week that actually hit. Betting against Atlanta's offense is, from what I've learned, extremely smart. They are very reliable in that they're not going to score a lot of points. Desmond Ritter ended that game with a pick, came up clutch. If the Falcons went down the field and they had to score a touchdown to keep it a game, this would not have hit, but they didn't. Desmond Ritter, once again, turning the ball over. Don't want to be a hater, but we've seen it time and time again. Atlanta is averaging just 16 points per contest, hit it on the nose last week, and they've continued to struggle against a commander's defense that has been horrible all year. I was a little worried, if anything, that the Falcons would be scoring too much. If anything, the commanders almost made this a bad beat, but 
Lowest scoring week overall since 2014 in this matchup. I kind of just was able to benefit from that. The other one is Adam Thielen being an awesome surprise. The wide receiver, four overall, and he's on a losing team, a team that's 0-6 right now. Did scare some people, especially those who took, I believe it was Dolphins minus 14 around there. Um, that did not end up happening as the Dolphins scored a ton unanswered, but phenomenal scenario here for Adam Thielen. Bryce Young clearly trusts him. He caught his first pass in preseason. He caught his first touchdown in preseason. Continues to lean on him here, and I'll state the obvious once again, folks. This team will have to stay throw heavy since they'll be working from behind a lot. I'm a Bears fan, so very okay with them going somewhere in the ballpark of 2-15, two and, two and 1-16, and 16. but I mean, I mentioned this before we turned the mics on, Charlie. I think this is kind of the year of, I read an article about it, the older player. We have Adam Thielen, who's over 30 at wide receiver four overall. We have Tyree Kill once again dominating. He's 30. We have Raheem Mostert past the age of 30 dominating as well. 11 touchdowns. That's a career high through a few weeks. So I think we're just seeing more guys take over who we thought were over the hill, but maybe aren't. I think that might have something to do with the overall low scoring offenses in the NFL. They're setting records of I think eight years give or take on how few points have been scored through week six and I guess that the average quarterback age is at an uh, the lowest it's been in years as well I don't have the numbers on me there but that could have something to do with it it's interesting that the vets show out when it looks like that for the highs on my part I trusted the Jets defense I picked the Jets plus seven they ended up winning outright course i didn't give that out on the show that's how this works <laughs> it's a running theme that we've got going on and my other high is betting against the patriots i think this is something that we should keep doing i picked the raiders minus two and a half and it almost didn't hit uh except for the last two minutes mac jones took a safety in, the, in his own end zone and that resulted in the raiders ultimately covering that two and a half point spread so trusting the jets defense and betting against the patriots i think those are two things that we should continue to do moving forward. Let's move on to our lessons learned in the week. For me, I learned mine pretty much as soon as I woke up on Sunday morning and turned on the Titans-Ravens game. I probably caught it around the second quarter to start, and then I saw that the Ravens flew to London on Monday, and the Titans flew to London on Thursday. That's important. Yeah, it That's is. something I should have known. Jet lag is a thing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm not sure why the Titans would leave for London on Thursday and have about three days of jet lag and expect to play a game and win a game on Sunday. I don't understand that at all, actually. The Ravens then had, give or take, three days advantage of rest over them. I don't understand that. So checking the flight logs in games abroad. So we've got games in Germany, London, and potentially Mexico this season. I'm not sure about Mexico, but I know Germany and London. Checking the flight details is something that we have to do. And then in general, don't overthink things. I overthought a lot of plays that week, and it wasn't worth it. I think that if I just stick to my gut like I'm going to do this week, I'll actually be better off than I was in weeks past. What lesson did you learn? Styles make fights. So we'll start again with the prime example being the 49ers losing to the Browns. Everything on paper, Charlie, said the Browns are supposed to get blown out by the Niners. I mean, they're missing Deshaun Watson. They're missing, of course, Nick Chubb. It's down to Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. But again, that point you've brought up about replaceable running backs, those two did a fine job. The 49ers go down with some injuries in the form of Debo Samuel and the biggest one by far in Christian McCaffrey. It was just an ugly game. We had the weather tossed in there, and it really showed that when you have a team that just lines up 
a certain way and is dominant on the front, especially with Miles Garrett. It doesn't really matter who's on the other end of the ball. If they can make it an ugly game, if we've heard this cliche before, if the Browns can make somebody play their game, it can be ugly even if you've got P.J. Walker back there, and that's what happens. So styles make fights. The 49ers had every reason to win that game, but the Browns just matched up phenomenally with them, and certain scenarios happen that you know caused an unlikely outcome, this time being P.J. Walker taking down the undefeated 49ers. The Jaguars are the new Bengals. That's my other claim, and I will very quickly go into detail here because I know a lot of you are just about ready to berate me on why that's not the case. I'm not comparing anybody to Jamar Chase. We will begin with that. What I'm referring to here is basically fantasy-wise. The Jags have four feasible fantasy receivers or pass catchers. We have Christian Kirk, who is wide receiver 17 overall. We have Calvin Ridley, who's wide receiver 29 overall, even though he's had a really lackluster start. And we have Zay Jones, who has put up two double-digit fantasy performances in three games. That's standard PPR format. And then we have Evan Ingram, who is tight end six. So we have somebody in Trevor Lawrence, generational talent, highly touted since he came out of high school, and something he's really excelling in right now is spreading the ball around. He's not heavily favoring Kelvin Ridley like some people thought he would. He's not heavily favoring Christian Kirk, who the Jags have a ton of financial investment in right now. Zay Jones has not disappeared off the face of the earth because Kelvin Ridley has entered this lineup, and Evan Ingram is still a phenomenal tight end, leaving off right or picking up right where he left off from last year where he really caught fire second half of the season. So we've got a lot of options on the Jaguars. That's something I've learned. Let's move on to the canceled list. I see that you don't have any teams canceled or players canceled. I don't either, but I do have a question. I need some clarification here. So when we set up the canceled list, it was an idea that this is a team permanently taken off the list of who we can play. But I'll tell you right now, I put the Ravens and I put the Giants on this list, and I love them this week. (laughs) But I made this list for a reason, because of the emotional damage that they did to me, and financial, that they did to me. These past few weeks, should we allow the teams to have a little bit of a tryout in order to get make their way off the list? If and if the landscape of the team changes. So okay. we're talking about how poor that Daniel Jones has played this year. Well, now Tyrod Taylor's in there. And yes, they lost again, talking about the Giants last week, to the Bills. But it was the Bills, and they also put up a fight to the point where It came down to one play, which in my opinion was pass interference, but uh, that's a different conversation. I'd say if the landscape changes and we have a coach firing and a team that's one and eight, and we think that it's time for this team to turn a new leaf, we have an identity change, which with a quarterback going down like we have with Daniel Jones going out, Tyrod Taylor coming in, we have somebody coming back like Saquon Barkley. I think enough changes have happened here for you to give the Giants a tryout, if you will. Okay. I like that, especially, yeah, like you said with Daniel Jones being out, I canceled them after that game against the Seahawks where they actually let up, I believe, around 11 sacks in that game. That was on the offensive line, sure, but Daniel Jones also looked horrible. That was just a terrible loss, and I wish I didn't do it. Well, (laughs) we're going to go to break, and on the other side, we have some fantasy trade advice as the deadline nears, and our picks for Week 7 of the NFL on Daily Dodge TV and 1430 ESPN Beaverdam. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Daily Dodge Betting Show on Daily Dodge TV and 1430 ESPN Beaverdam. In the second half, we've got some trade advice with the trade deadline looming, and we've got our picks. Let's start with some fantasy buy-sell hold. We're going to Wall Street. This is our fantasy investment zone. We've got a list of four players, and you're going to tell me if you want to buy, sell, or hold on to them at this point in the season. Starting off with Daniel Jones, buy, sell, or hold. This is disgusting, and I will openly say that I because it. I put Daniel Jones in here. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, I hate it. I hate him, too. I'm buying him. I'm buying him, and I'm stashing him at the moment because I'm not sure this guy can get much worse, so there is some upside. I'm buying Daniel Jones at an all-time low. He has 16 touchdowns to 20 interceptions without Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is back, at least showing up as questionable right now, so no injured reserve reaction. Action. There's no like out for an extended period of time going on. Knock on wood, seriously, especially with Saquon Barkley. But also with Daniel Jones, he has rushing upside. This is something that made him the quarterback nine overall in fantasy last year. 708 rushing yards in 2022. I'm a firm believer that it can only get better. And even if he isn't rushing a whole lot, I'll play the game script card again. This team's going to lose a lot of games. They look horrible. Dable went from coach of the year to possibly being on the hot seat halfway through the year. Maybe Daniel Jones airs it out a little bit more. I don't know. But rushing upside is something I love, especially in a four-point passing touchdown format in fantasy. So I'm actually going to buy on Daniel Jones. This is a last resort, okay? If you have Justin Fields and he ends up being out for an extended period of time, if Josh Allen were to go down, if Patrick Mahomes were to go down, and the market is just thin, you do this. Don't go out of your way to get Daniel Jones. He's probably on waivers. I'm glad you clarified that at the (laughs) end because I... I was saying that I hate Dan- having Daniel Jones as a fantasy quarterback. If you're in that spot where you're starting Daniel Jones consistently, you're probably not a contender to win anything. Buy, sell, hold, Justin Jefferson. If you have wide receiver depth or a surplus of talent at the flex position, because that's likely what someone's going to be trying to take in a deal, um, you go and buy him. You go and get Justin Jefferson. Now you're going to have a little push and shove with the person who owns him because his value is as low as it's going to be. Think about it three, four weeks from now. Oh, Justin Jefferson's coming back in a week. That person's not going to be too eager to try and think, oh, well, I'm going to get rid of him. All of a sudden, they're going to value Justin Jefferson a lot higher because you're getting the best wide receiver in the game right before he comes back. So my advice to you is if you're going to buy Justin Jefferson, go get him now. You're not going to have to give up as much. Um, There's still going to be some push and shove. Plug him in the IR spot. I think this is something that could really help you, especially as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs, as he's projected to be back tentatively between weeks 10 and 11. Yeah, I think the only real issues with Justin Jefferson moving forward is just the state of the Vikings as a team and what they do with Kirk Cousins if they end up trading him. I saw a report recently that they're just going to hold on to him, but that's really the only worry with Justin Jefferson. I think he should be fine. Staying with the injured, higher-ranked, higher-drafted guys... Jameer Gibbs, buy, sell, trade, or buy, sell, hold. We're going to hold Jameer Gibbs. He's in a very weird scenario where this is someone who hasn't had a ton of usage yet. If we look at the Lions, David Montgomery has 94 rushes to Jameer Gibbs' 39. Gibbs does have 18 targets across four games, so he's got a decent amount of passing upside. Decent amount of upside in general, but we've also seen, and this is why he's not a buy, we've seen Detroit stick to their guns with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. We saw the exact same thing last year where six, seven, eight weeks in, people are going, well, Jamal Williams is more so of a fluke. He just needs to score touchdowns. It's not sustainable. We're going to see a lot more usage for DeAndre Swift. Here we are in 2023, and not only are those guys on different teams, but Jamal Williams scored 17 touchdowns because he was just given so much volume. 
and DeAndre Swift was more of the finesse guy, get out in the open field, hurts you in the receiving game. That's the role that Jameer Gibbs holds right now. I don't want to cap his ceiling because Monty is down. It's him and Craig Reynolds right now, but I don't love the Jameer Gibbs situation either. So I'm kind of at a standstill. Don't deal him at the moment. I don't think you'll get much, but also don't go after him. I'm really not too certain on his future yet. All right, for the last one, I'm telling you right now, I am not buying. I am not. (laughs) Kyle Pitts, buy, sell, hold. You don't have to. Sell the crap out of him. Uh, This Falcons offense is horrible, 16 points per game. It's the one bet for me that actually hit is just betting against the Falcons offense. Kyle Pitts is coming off of a great performance by his standards, but folks, temper your expectations. He's had more than 20 bad performances. So let's look at the law of large numbers here. Uh, Find somebody to buy in on the hype while you can. Kyle Pitts is still owned in a lot more leagues than he probably should be because of the hype he had out of college. And I can't believe we're saying this because this is year three that we've been playing this game now. Bijan Robinson has been getting a lot of touches on this otherwise lackluster Falcons offense. Desmond Ritter has struggled. This is still a run-oriented team. And Johnny Smith exists. I mean, I will leave it at that. I'll let you leave it at that. Let's just move on to our scores, uh, our picks and our touchdown scores, because I, I don't want to talk about Kyle Pitts. He frustrates me. My first pick, I've got the Giants plus three against the Commanders. We, we're looking at a total of 37.5, so really low-scoring game is what's being projected. This is pretty much just a fate of the Commanders. I don't think the Commanders should be a favorite, a three-point favorite over anybody on the road shouldn't happen they just had a pretty bad game against the Falcons I don't think they should have won that game they got bailed out Desmond Ritter had gave them three opportunities to uh three interceptions where the Falcons had a legit chance to win the game and he blew it and that's why the commanders ended up winning that game I really just don't believe in this team I don't believe in Ron Rivera I think that Brian Dable's a better coach than him This is a commander's team that got smoked by the Bears two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they're a field goal favorite on the road? I don't don't believe that. And the Giants are 4-1 against the spread in their last five games against the commanders, and they frankly looked better in week six. So I'm riding with the Giants. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is their one-week tryout. (laughs) I said I'd cancel them and be done, move on, not let them hurt my feelings. But like you just said, back on them. This This is their chance, all right? For your first pick, you're going to the Colts. Colts plus three against the Browns. A Browns team that won an ugly game against San Francisco last week, and they're getting credit, and rightfully so. The Colts do have a setback with Anthony Richardson out, but I don't think it's as much as everybody wants to believe. Um, Gardner Minshew has held his own. I think he's one of the better backups in the league. Memes aside, 47 passing touchdowns to 18 interceptions in 26 games. The win-loss record isn't there, but again, he was part of a a Jacksonville team that earned themselves the number one pick, which turned into Trevor Lawrence. This team's at home. It's a controlled environment in Indy, so no rain to equalize anything, no poor weather. Jonathan Taylor is now three weeks removed from his IR stint. He's playing more and more of a role. We saw him in for almost half of snaps last week, and he was very involved in the receiving game. Indianapolis has won eight of the last 10 matchups against Cleveland, and Cleveland is also 3-11 in their last 14 road games. I don't just think that Cleveland's going to maybe not win a close game. I just don't think they're going to win at all. I I have the Colts out right here, but I'm a little more confident in plus three. 
It's funny that you're on the Colts after all that Browns talk we just had about yeah, their defense. This and, is true. And now all of a sudden Gardner Minshew's going to figure it out. But, we'll see. But Kyle we'll see. Shanahan couldn't. So yeah, that's where I, I can't even, I'm staying away from that one completely. We'll see. My second pick, I've got Eagles money line, uh, minus 140. Right now the Eagles are two and a half to three point favorites against the Dolphins on Sunday night football. The Eagles are wearing their Kelly Green throwbacks. I think that's a huge thing, especially when the Phillies, depending on how their series goes against the Diamondbacks, this is going to be a Sunday night game in Philadelphia. The Phillies might have just clinched the World Series berth at this point. Philadelphia is on fire, and I think that game is going to be awesome. I think the crowd's going to let Tua hear it. And part of this is also that the Bills showed the blueprint on how to beat the Dolphins, and that took their interior defensive line to do it. They have a very strong front four. The Eagles have an even better front four. Okay. Probably might be the best in the league, With top Jaylen three Carter in the now. league. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I think that this is a bad matchup for the Dolphins, especially now that the Dolphins are coming off another big win where their offense just looks unstoppable. I think this is a great spot for the Eagles, um, especially after the Eagles just lost to the Jets that we mentioned earlier. The Eagles have won four of their last five games at home. They're 8-2 and two straight up in their last 10 games against AFC teams, and they're 10-4 and four against the spread in their last 14 games against NFC East teams. So I really like the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. For your second pick, you're going to the Jags. Yeah, I'm going to the Jags. So you've got one primetime matchup. I've got another one. We'll go tonight, Thursday night. Travis Etienne over 64.5 rushing yards. He is what I like to call, especially in the spirit of Halloween, a volume monster. Most rush attempts in the NFL at 113. His opposition in New Orleans, they allow four yards per carry. Middle of the pack. I had a plan for both of these. I think either way, Travis Etienne was going to do well, but Trevor Lawrence in looks like he will be. Game favors Jacksonville likely. I like that offense a lot better, and just that team in general I think is more sound. Etienne would run the clock out. He'd be in for the second half. I think that's what can happen tonight. If Trevor Lawrence, something wild happens in the next hour and he's out, Lean on the run from the get-go. I feel like that's what this team would do as well with their main guy under center out. So I've got ETN over 64 and a half rushing yards. We're staying on the take a running back and hit their over train. We'll see how it goes. I do like that. I think that's a strong pick. For touchdown scores, this is the only place that I've won a bet so far. There we go. So I need to keep the momentum there. I've got Saquon Barkley to score a touchdown. He missed three weeks, and then he came back last week against the Bills, and he got 78% of of the snaps on offense. So I think he's going to continue to see 78 plus. I think he's going to get a large share, especially against that commander's team that has a bottom 10 rush defense in both rushing yardage allowed and uh, yards per attempt allowed. Saquon also hasn't scored since week two and he scored two touchdowns in that game. I think that he's pretty due to score another one. I think this is a good spot for him to do it at home after the Giants just desperately, desperately, desperately need to uh, use the ground in order to get any form of offense going. I really like your your <laughs> touchdown pick. Yeah. I really like it. I like it too. Romeo Dobbs, anytime touchdown against this wonderful Denver Broncos defense. Uh, yeah, definitely some sarcasm there. But Dobbs is second on Green Bay in red zone targets with eight. He leads the team in receiving touchdowns with three of them. Even with Christian Watson being worked back into this offense, the Packers have been pretty cautious with their guys also referring to Aaron Jones. I feel like it's the fifth week in a row we're hearing he could be back, but that's a different story. Romeo Dobbs going up against a defense that is allowing 33 points per game to offenses. I mean, we saw them get in a close fight with the Bears, and that's their only win. I really like Dobbs' chances to get to be one of many touchdown scorers this week. I do think it's a good spot for Romeo to have a good game. Like you said, the defense is horrible, and 
two weeks ago against the Raiders, he only got one target and he didn't even catch the pass. So I think they're going to try and work to get him the ball, or at least as a Packers fan, that's what I really hope we see. <laughs> All right, it's time. We've got to hit this parlay, and I think this is the week that we do it. My pick is Rams' money line against the Steelers. This is in L.A. I think everyone's going to see this game and say, oh, but the Steelers are off of bye week. Tomlin, rah-rah spot. I don't believe it. I think we have to look at what we see in the Steelers team and be like, that's a bad team. Just admit to yourself it's a bad team. Yes, coaching helps, but it can only take a team so far. I mean, just look at Bill Belichick and that Pats team. They're terrible, and he's the greatest coach of all time. I think that Sean McVay is also a coach of the year candidate, at least so far this year, and he's expecting a baby. I think that is a bit of a boost that I'm going to need to hit this parlay. The baby factor. Exactly. (laughs) The baby game. It's huge. For your parlay pick, you've got a prop. Yep, I have Chris Godwin under 16.5 receiving yards. He's been under this mark in three of five games so far. In one of the two games, he hit the over for it. Mike Evans was actually pulled mid-game against the Saints, so I don't even want to count that. Godwin is the second target on the team behind Evans. Baker seems to like him a lot more. Bigger target, likes to heave the ball down the field. Evans also has four more targets than him and four more yards per reception. The opposition in Atlanta is allowing the fourth least amount of pass yards per game at 180. That Atlanta defense is underrated. I think people don't want to talk about it enough. They've won them some games outright by themselves. Totally, especially, I guess it's probably because that offense is so stacked on the uh, the Falcons, even though they're not any good. For the third leg of our parlay, I've got three picks. Jalen Hurts over one and a half passing touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk anytime touchdown or Ravens money line. Which of those three do you like? I'm not even going to overthink this one. So many injuries on the offensive front for San Francisco. Brandon Ayuk has done phenomenal. When he's been healthy, he's healthy. The rest aren't. Great offense. We'll roll with him. I really like that pick. So for our parlay, we've got Rams money line, Chris Godwin under 60 and a half receiving yards, and Brandon Ayuk anytime touchdown. And that's a wrap on the Daily Dodge betting show on Daily Dodge TV and 1430 ESPN Beaverdam. Thanks, as always, for joining us. You can find these episodes on the Daily Dodge TV YouTube page. And good luck this weekend in Week 7 of the NFL on Daily Dodge TV and 1430 ESPN Beaverdam.